0: You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices.
1: Prosperity in Black America. What will this require? Is Black business prospering? Are we reaching women and minority-owned businesses? How do we achieve earning parity for wealth for our families? I'm that provocateur of change. I am Cindy Bright. Good evening everyone, welcome to Heartbeat. I'm your host, Cindy Bright. Thank you for joining me tonight and thank you for those of you who are reaching out, thanking uh, me for these topics that we've been covering as of late. Um, Important things we're talking about lately uh, because we are heading into uh, another nasty political season. You've been paying attention to the show over the last several weeks. We've had a myriad of conversations around equity, we have done a show on the salary commission in Redmond, where um, city council there's been some push in the 48th district to compensate uh, people fairly for doing public work. It's a part of the system that has traditionally kept Black people out of positions of power because they weren't paying anything, and only wealthy white folks could afford to work for basically nothing and and you know cheap money. So we've been highlighting that. We've had some of the uh, targeted uh, elected officials, we've done shows. We haven't officially done a show about Representative Melanie Morgan, although she has been a representative that has been investigated. We've done a recent show about Dr. Karen Johnson, who was the former uh, chief equity officer um, who was also targeted. And we did last week uh, a show that highlighted Judge Tracy Flood out of Bremerton Uh, And the takedown that is being attempted with her to get her recall. Tonight, if you've been paying attention to the news in the past week, we have an elected official um, from Linwood City Council. His name is Josh Binda. He has been targeted. There's been a report that's come out from the NAACP that has affirmed the targeting of taking him down. Uh, I want to introduce him into Heartbeat this evening so that we can hear from him uh, to our communities about what's been going on with him. So let's welcome in Josh Binda to Heartbeat here on Converge Media. Josh, welcome uh, to Heartbeat this evening.
2: Hi, Sydney. Um, Thank you so much for allowing me to come on here today and be a part of this. Um, um, I really appreciate you giving me the chance to come and talk about this because it's definitely been definitely been a topic of discussion in a lot of places. So I'm glad that I get to to come on here and and talk more about this and everything going on that has been going on in Linwood.
1: Well, you're, you know, you're you're the first Zer, right? So you're a young uh, person uh, and it's rare that we get young people uh, stepping into politics. So it's important that we pay attention and listen to the things that you have to say and what your experiences are. Uh, It's also important for us to hear your perspective about what's going on. Uh, in Linwood. So let me just let you start talking about like what is happening there before we go deeper into this. Give us your perspective about what's been happening.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, just to brief introduce myself for those who don't or haven't met me yet. Yes, my name's I'm Josh Binda. Um, I'm 23 now. I'm a 23-year-old elected official in Linwood, Washington. I actually got elected back in 2021 at the age of 21. And through that, I became the youngest African-American in state history to ever get elected. I'm um, currently one of the youngest politicians in the nation, um, so it's, it was truly um, an incredible race. I was able to run to get me in my position, and it took a lot of people by surprise, um, as you can see, but, um, but I was able to get elected. And in the last two years, I've been able to do a lot of amazing things for my constituents and my community. I've been able to go and speak to thousands of students over, I had a Love Conquerors all towards what it was called, where I spoke to thousands of students all over Snohomish County, I think about 20,000 plus all different high schools and middle schools and encourage them and inspire them to lead with love and, and how to be leaders in society today and how they're not too young uh, to step up in these positions. I've been able to pass legislation, of course, us getting $25,000 in scholarships for our youth and our seniors for our recreation center and up to $2 million in funding for our um, parks and recreation boards to help keep that maintenance going up. And I was able to lead the charge in a couple of things like that as well. Um, so all that to say that the last two years have um, definitely been um, with all the great things I've been able to do, the awards. I was also last year's 425 Business 30 under 30 um, top young entrepreneurs in our state last year. Um, so like I said, with all that being to say, um, it, it, with all those things I've been able to do, it's been a challenge um, since day one I've gone in there. There's definitely been um, a lot of pushback. Um, I would say the majority of it comes from a lot of the council members um are obviously a lot older than me you know a lot of them predominantly white um and they see the world differently than i do which is you know it's expected um but i wasn't i wasn't expecting to reach meet the hostility that i was able to meet and the and just coming into the work environment it, it has never been a, it's always been an uphill battle mm-hmm. um and you know most of the council members there's a couple of my council members that are three times my age um, some of them are twice my age. I actually went to high school with one of my council members' daughters. That's that's where we different differentiate in age demographic. Um, so, that being said, you know, as I got in there, you know, I was thinking, you know, regardless of all this, I got elected. Um, I'm just gonna push this behind me and just move forward and do things um, for my community and try my best to serve in the best way possible. And just as I've tried to do things and get things done, um, for some reason there's always been some sort of pushback towards me and I was trying to figure out what that was, um, you know, and there's always been, I feel like I've, I always had to watch my back with every single thing I do. When I went in there, there wasn't a single um, person to sit me down and say, Hey, this is this is the rules, this is the regulations, what you want to follow. You no, know, there was no proper training or anything of that source. There, no, there was nothing to make me feel like I was walking to an environment where they why I truly choose meant to succeed in that way. Um, I was throwing a couple of binders and say, Hey, this is our, these are our policies, this is our this is our budget, this is our biennium budget, this is what we plan on doing, the city five year city plan, and read through that and just go. And so I was like, mm-hmm. okay. Um, so um, no mentorship really going in there, none, none of that sorts. Um, so it was a struggle from the very beginning. Um, I would say um the first year was definitely a huge learning curve for me. And I was walking in there already. With um people trying targeting me um and it really I would say it really started after I won the primary election um that's what started it um I don't think they people expected me to actually win the primary election nonetheless win as big as I did and so once I did um I started getting um. PDC complaints filed against me, things done against me from the likes of people like Glenn Morgan. I know Cindy, you know Glenn Morgan. I know you guys have heard of that name, Glenn Morgan. It's a guy that is a Republican dude that basically targets black candidates and Democratic candidates and tries to get PDC filing complaints against them, the Public Disclosure Commission, for those who don't know what that is. Um and so um immediately off the bat once I won that primary election, he started filing complaints against me. And the Linwood Times owner himself um started um Getting on me, he himself, his name is Mario a lot more. he ran for Senate as a Republican, lost, and now he runs the local paper in my city called Linwood Times mm-hmm. and um and so it was once I won that primary election I'll, it's like they unleashed the dogs on me and mm-hmm. they started um trying to find ways they can tear down my campaign and do such and such and trying to re- reach into my um my finances or everything I was doing. It was like they was like, okay, we got to take this kid serious, he might actually win this mm-hmm. thing. And so it really started at the very beginning of my primary election. Um, um, once I got, I mean, the general election, once the general election ballots were going to come out, um, Mario Lotmore, the Linwood Times owner himself, um, what, requested to see my books and my and all my funding, all my political stuff, like everything that had to do with my campaign expenditures and all of that, decided to see, them see my books and which I was able to happily provide. Me and my consultant at the time, Rial, um, sat down with him and provided those things. And we were one hour late to the meeting because I had work and other stuff like that. And yes, he actually filed a PC complaint against me for being an hour late um, as well. And he went through my entire campaign expenditures. We explained everything, all the, anything that might've been mishap and all of that. Um, <clears throat> because I had been hearing that these people have been watching my campaigns. but And I, I want to put this in this, I was running, a very grassroots campaign. Um, I didn't know anything about the PDC, <clears throat> what's campaign related, what's not campaign related, and any of that source. And so once I was hearing that these people were trying to file get PDC complaints against me, I sat down with my consultant, I sat down with my people, we went through my expenditures and tried to figure out, is there anything that's, that could be deemed non-campaign related or such and such or any of that source. And so once we went over a list and we found a couple of things that we thought, okay, maybe this might not be campaign considered campaign-related. Um, me, myself, I personally reimbursed uh, my campaign for anything that was considered, that might have been not considered campaign-related at the time. Um, this was like seven weeks prior to any PEC complaints being filed against me, any of that sorts. Um, but because he still was going the little Times owner himself um, had this targeted effort towards me, um, he decided that he was going to go over my campaign expenditure books. And he found a couple of things, whatever he wants to find and the day of the ballot, the day the ballot drops, he releases an article saying Josh been under investigation for up to $10,000 in campaign expenditures. Which he's just like, it's like he just threw a number out there because ended up being completely way less than that was under invest or whatever. And there was no investigation it was already done. But because he had himself filed the PDC complaint against me and then wrote about it in his own paper. And so you could see the biases and you could see that this is a targeted effort by his base to try and sway the voters basically as they were voting to not vote for me because of this this mm-hmm. investigation that he was conducting to the PDC. Well, and Josh, so we- I
1: you know, I wanna say a couple of things to you. First off, you know, when I listened to you talk um and you are I'm one of the old people I joked with you about that earlier but um and I had explained to you that I had also run for office as several of the co-hosts on this show have as well first off let me just say you know as a young man uh and me as a black woman and a black mom uh I'm hurt that you have to experience uh, at 24 years old what it's like to walk into white supremacy and what it is in these systems of oppression that these folks have built and are hell bent on holding on to power. And so I can empathize because us older people have experienced it and continue to do so. So I want to validate that your concerns and your experiences are real. And um, we as a community need to pay attention to our young Black uh, people who are stepping in and trying to help change this trajectory for the lives of all people. So I I have to say that to you because you are young. Uh, Let me also emphasize that none of, you know, I didn't win, Um, my co-host didn't, and we all say now we feel like we've dodged a bullet. Um, I also ran against a Democrat when I ran for office, so I can only imagine that you didn't have a lot of bases of support and that you were trying to navigate your way through a an infrastructure, um, an engine uh, of white supremacy. And so I'm acknowledging that because I know that that's what you're dealing with. We all know that's what you're dealing with. Um, you also, you know, you take some stances on uh, some different issues um, um, voting as the only person voting one way. And I know that there's an issue around the police budgets. Let me first say, before I ask you about that, your city council president, Shannon Sessions, when I read the NAACP report, uh, I believe she's the person that was named as the person creating the hostile work environment. We as black women call those gatekeepers and Karens. Um, but she is also a former police officer. Am I correct on that?
2: Yes. Um, so my council president, who is a big um, part of this um, NCAA investigation, that um, through emails and interviews was found to have been um, collaborating and targeting me to try and um, basically, basically already set up a process for me to fail as I was going walking into office um, and weaponize the ethics board against me. Um, and so she is a, she works, she is, she was a former, um, I think, police sergeant herself, or she was in some sort of Air Force or something like that. And now she runs her own nonprofit that partners up with the police. Um, it's, called 7, and, um, she worked, it's called Support 7. And she worked, that's called Support 7. And she basically helps people that in, for, with mental health crisis and stuff like that. Um, So she is very focused on police work and it's partnered up with the police. And
1: And is she she the only one um, being paid from that nonprofit? Does anybody else draw salaries or is she the only one? From
2: my my knowledge, she's the only one um, being paid from that nonprofit.
1: So you're being criticized about PDC violations while she set up a nonprofit to draw a salary
2: Mm -hmm. as the leader
1: of a city council that's supposed to be bipartisan got it mm-hmm. Keep going.
2: and 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 she's also brought up multiple times on the council dais um about about um support seven and publicly advertising that which technically is using your position for for gain for personal um but no one said anything about that but and 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 in general this has been a lot of hypocrisy with everything going on we have a sitting council member who um was proven to be investigated and it it came back sustained that they were um, sexually and racially discriminating towards one of our black staff members that no longer works with the city. And our council basically did nothing about it. I was the only one that stood up and advocated for her and basically said, this is what we need to find, have some sort of course of action. And with that investigation came back, our council basically did nothing, but they were very quick to try and take me to the ethics board um, because I filmed an Instagram video um, announcing to the students that I was going to on the on, on the school tour that I was coming to speak at. I'm excited to go speak there. I was super excited, and I've been public speaking for the last three years. It's already something I've been doing and getting paid to do. Um, and so because mm-hmm. I I went on the in the council of chambers and basically talked about how I was going to be excited to come speak to these kids and inspire them, and um, they they were quick to take me to the ethics board um for that. And, and try to get that as me using my position for personal gain and profit when it was all for the benefit of the students and inspiring them. And you can ask the school districts, you can ask the students. Um, it was an amazing time. It was an amazing message. The students walked away feeling more inspired than ever. They, they see me as a role model. They see me as a future leader in our not just our state, but in our country. And um, it was a very positive thing. So the fact that they could try and twist that into something negative means with the same ethics board that um shannon sessions early in 2021 compared compare it in her emails had said that they were going to set this up due to me winning my race um and i could read off that email to you if you like um but um basically we,
1: we we all know this game josh right like this yeah. what you're describing uh is not new to any of us as black people we all go through it we all live through it uh we're watching it now you know, on a national scene play out. And so let me just project something here. So, you know, we're watching, um, you know, I, I told you earlier, I laughed at your comment about old people, um, you know, being in political office. Um, but your point on that is very well taken because even today in the news, you know, the Kentucky Senator demonstrated, you know, that being 80 years old in office might not be the wisest thing. Um, and we're watching, from the uh, presidential campaign, the attack that is happening on Vice President Kamala Harris. Now, these folks all know that if President Biden doesn't outlive this presidency, that a black woman will be running this country. And so it feels, and especially the patterns, when I introduced the show and I talked about how many things here in the democratic part of the world how many people are under attack here and how these folks who want to set standards for black people, but they themselves do not meet the thresholds mm-hmm. of the standards themselves. But they go out and perpetuate lies and narratives about people in order so that they can hold on to power, greed, money, all the things that they're empowered by. What you know, there was a, there's a whole nother issue about. um The bonds, the
2: the. Well, I also want to, before we, yeah. Go ahead. I want to elaborate on that. And I think one of the biggest things is, I guess, I think why the council felt the need to target me the way it is because for one, um, I I stand very opposite from a lot of our council members in terms of policy and in terms of what we vote for, in terms of what we view in our community. Um, And I would say, even though city council is non- partisan um it's very much partisan the fact that we have a predominantly conservative council right now in the city Mm -hmm. of, um it's very obvious based on how they vote based on how they see certain views and certain issues um and so um in terms of this one of the biggest things that's recent that's happened was this new jail that um our Mm -hmm. city is working on building um they took a it was supposed to be a 40 minute 40 plus million dollar bond um, which is are you, refer- mean,
1: are you referring to their new revenue stream that they're building up?
2: Basically it's in, I, I view it as incarceration for profit. <laughs> um, and so, um, it was supposed to be around usually, I think originally around 40 million plus a little bit, maybe 40 million, um, bond, which is a, basically anyone knows it's basically a loan. Um, they took that to Snohomish County to build this jail. And so basically they're building this jail with this bond that they took, um, and how they're going to make that money back is basically through partnerships with other cities um, to help, you know, to help build that relationship. So if other cities do arrest any of that sort, they come to the this city jail, and the jail itself is going to pay for itself. So. And so, so they're in,
1: so they're incentivized. They're incentivized to go out and arrest more black people in order to bring more cash in to be able to fund this. Is this correct?
2: It, it basically is what it is. It's incarceration mm-hmm. for profit. You, they, The only way they're going to pay this back, if they make a certain amount of arrests, give people a certain amount of traffic tickets, do certain things, because that's the only way they're going to be able to pay this back, this bond back that we took. And I think now it's up to 60 plus million. Um, is what it is through other, because people added on, you know, through, when you take, when you originally think a project is going to cost a certain amount, and it, it goes over budget. A lot of things started adding on. That's brought it even more over budget. That makes the bond even more bigger than what it's supposed to be. Um, So it's now $60 million. And obviously I'm one of the few council members before I was even on the council, I stood against this jail. I didn't think we needed to, we need to be a city that's in the incarceration for profit business. I didn't think we needed the bigger jail in our city. And obviously as a council member, I've been very advocate on that. Um, I voted against the jail and basically in almost every single scenario. And because basically now see Linwood itself has become more of a progressive democratic city. Mm -hmm. Um, And because... Um, of that, um, these people, up until once I got in there, these people have been able to get away with doing a lot of this stuff because they were all masked conservatives or all were able to work together to keep these under wraps and keep these under loops. But then when people elected me, they knew I was a Democrat going there. They knew I was progressive. Mm-hmm. So when I'm in there, I'm on council and I'm voting for these things. I'm voting against such and such. And I'm voting for human rights. I'm voting for whatever, like, whatever I believe is right. And people know that I'm a progressive Democrat and they see them voting the opposite it kind of exposes them for who they really are because they play the whole non-partisan game, but um they really are partisan conservatives. And now I, I've become a way to expose them for what they really are. I do my voting policies, do everything I've stood for. I was the only one that I, I actually voted for or the resolution on banning you know, you know, Benny, um, assault rifles in our community. The Resolution didn't get passed because most of our predominant council members don't see the problem with having assault rifles, which is a, one of the leading calls for young teens, for people under age 18 and above and below. I think that's one of the things. And just other progressive values that have stood for our opioid treatment center that's supposed to help people that are recovering from drug addiction. Um, you had people on our council that was not in support of basically, um, they try to say it was the location, um, But they would, they would want anywhere else. But they were, it, it, it just goes to show there's always no one wants that in their backyard. There's always going to be there's never a good place for those locations. So you had people trying to come in and fight against that. And you had council members stand with those people. And so you have people in our community that are suffering with drug addiction that need this in their community. And um and you had a council members that were advocating with people that were um, against that. And so mm-hmm. it just I think I've become a beacon of exposure. Um, of truly how much the council doesn't represent the people. And
1: so, Josh, you know, one of our co-hosts who's messaging uh, in the chat is asking about, um, let me just read it to you. Um, Do you understand how some of your constituents may take issue with your decision to post a shirtless Instagram video to mentor to minors? Um, Do you understand, I guess, some of the perspective of what some others are saying about
2: um, how, what that, the impact um, of that could be. Um, I, 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 I understand. I can understand the other side of why people might feel it to be a certain way. I think for me, I think my generation below well, work like a shirtless photo on Instagram is not that big a deal, but I can understand and sympathize with the other side, how people can feel like it, 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 it could be offensive or it could be a certain thing, you know, different generations view stuff like that differently. And, um, I just want to let people know my intention in that was, was, was completely harmless, was not meant to be anything towards any of that sorts. And, um, and so I think that it's one of those things that, um, I can understand the other perspective and, and for those that might have felt a certain type of way, I can, I can sympathize, I understand and, and and, and reassure them that my, um, stance on that, what I was trying to do was had nothing to do with that um and at least for me and that's what i could advocate on that and say about that it was it was not meant to be there was nothing sexual about it at all to me that's just an instagram photo i posted shirtless photos and done things before i even got elected it's on my instagram you know it's not it's not like it's off brand of me but i could see how you know in context how some people can view it differently generations can view it differently and i can understand that and 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 reassure them that wasn't my uh, my wasn't my intention at all.
1: Yeah, thank you for answering that. Uh, it is a, definitely a generational thing that's different about us, us older people. Uh, I think um, you know we just have a couple more minutes. I want to make sure you can get to and talk about any of these other issues you want the community to know. And I also want to know what can the community do to help in this regard.
2: Um. I think what I want the community to know is through obviously the, I want to make it um, loud and clear that I had no idea about a lot of this stuff that the NAACP did an investigation on. I, I found out, I would say basically a week before we did the press conference, a lot of the the premeditated stuff that was found. Um, and so it's it's um, it was unfortunate and honestly it, it was pretty hurtful for me to see some of it, um, but um, I would want the community to know that I've, I've obviously not perfect. I've made you know mistakes in certain things, and um, I've I've tried to learn and rectify and, and continue to grow as a council member, as any council member would do. Um, and there are still there are council members to this day that have made the mistakes that even I've made, and so or things that have happened. And so I think going forward, it's just all about um, continue to do my best for the community and representing them, and continue to to find the best ways to continue to just reach my constituents and be a voice for them and um, i think so far i've been able to do a good job of that and um and continue doing going forward I look i plan on doing more um things to do a good job of that as well and so um, um i I'm, i know this has been an interesting um time period with everything going on but i want my community to know that i still plan on standing strong and representing my community and going forward um, just continue to do my best and it's What's
1: going on? Because there's a recall effort to take the seat from you. What does the community do to support your ability to retain your seat?
2: Um, what'd you say?
1: I'm sorry, I think you I froze up you. a little bit. Uh, there is, the, with the recall effort, what is it that the community needs to do to help sustain your ability to stay in the seat?
2: Um, so, with the recall efforts right now, um, there are people um, gathering signatures um, outside and stuff like that. And they're, they're meeting up and trying to get as many signatures as they can. Um, I think they have to get a little over 3,000 plus by, and they have about six months to do so um, for registered voters. So, I think what they can do is I am currently um, fundraising um, for my Retain Josh. It's called RetainJosh.com. And um, it's it's all about helping help fight back this whole thing that's going on. So they can come on there. They can go down there to my website and see the whole cause, see what we found. And um, if they can donate um, a certain amount um, that we're looking for to help um, fight back this cause, um, I would say I'm asking for, at the minimum, if they could get anywhere from 50 to 100 or whatever they feel comfortable with to help. And donate. how do they um,
1: do
2: that, Josh? Um, They would have to go to retainjosh.com. Um, I think I, I could send you the link as well, so you can see, and they could see everything that's we found, everything that's going on. It kind of describes the whole co- the whole cause of things, and it kind of lays everything out of what's been going on. And so, um, if they can go on that website or go on our page and donate to our cause to help us, um, help me keep re- retaining, just in case I have to run a a recall election here, um, for, which will be a special election coming up next year, if that's the cause, um, I I would it would be a great help to help me get to that point where I'd be able to spread my um, my name out there and continue to fight the cause for my community. And so right. that's, that, that's one way definitely can help in spreading that out there as well.
1: But Josh, look, we appreciate that you came on today and gave us your lens. First off, describing to us what's happening with you. Uh, second off, uh, just talking to our community about uh, the impact on what this is having on you, your campaign. And so we certainly appreciate that we have been able to give you this voice and platform to speak. And so thank you very much. Please feel free to reach out to us. We'll continue to pay attention to your campaign and see what happens with this. Um, I'm going to go to commercial break and then I'll be back uh, for the second half where we're going to talk more with my regular commentators about this issue. Thank you, Josh, for coming on.
2: Of course. Thank you so much, Cindy. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Big Tobacco thinks they know everything. They think they know you, your community, the places you go, the way that you spend your time. They think they got you all figured out. Down to a formula, a calculation based off of numbers of what they think they know. Show them they're wrong. Learn more at theythinktheyknowyou.org. COVID-19 hurt my income, my health, and my family. We were about to lose our home when we heard we might be eligible for homeowner assistance funds from the government. We called 1-877-894-HOME and a housing counselor stepped in. They talked to our lender and saved our home. Because falling on hard times does not have to mean losing our home federal funding details at
0: washingtonhaf.org. The new COVID-19
3: updated booster provides the best protection available right now, so don't wait.
0: Stay safe this summer and get your updated booster today. To find a free vaccine provider near you, go to kingcounty.gov forward slash vaccine.
3: Hey, I'm Besa Gordon. You may have heard my voice on Hits 1061 or seen me on Converge Media, but
0: now I'm coming to TV. I'm hosting the newest show on Fox 13 called Back to Basa. Check us out every weekend for the hottest topics, interviews, the latest trends, and uplifting stories. We're going to have so much fun, and teens, we got
3: you too. Back to Basa Saturday nights, 10.30 on Fox 13 and Sundays at
0: 10 a.m. on Fox 13+.
1: What will it take to get two dozen powerfully passionate individuals to settle their differences as they hold the future of our nation in their hands? Direct from Broadway, this is 1776, August 2nd through 6th. Tickets available at fifthavenue.org. Welcome back to Heartbeat. I am your host, Cindy Bright. We um, were um, just having a discussion with uh, Lynwood City Council person, Josh Binda, uh, talking to us about the targeting. Uh, of his, of him personally, uh, the report that the end of the investigation that the NAACP did, and found that he was being targeted, uh, no different than many of these other issues we see going on across Washington State and across the country. And we feel it's important. I feel it's important here at Heartbeat to highlight these issues and show the community and the public what is happening. Now, clearly, uh, in listening to him and then some of the comments that I'm reading. Um, I'm going to introduce in my co-host because we want to talk about it a little bit more about uh, some of the things that he was saying and and talk about how, you know, mentorship and some of the things we think we should be discussing. So let me first welcome in regular commentator Aaron Jones. <laughs> Hi, Aaron. Hi. Let's welcome in Joyce Stanford. Hey, Joy. And let's welcome in uh, a new uh, host who's been on now her second time here, Michelle Dotson. Let's bring her in. Hey, Michelle. Hello. You know, let's talk about the wh- what you guys heard uh, listening to Josh talk. What are your thoughts about some of the things that he was saying? Aaron, what so, do you think?
3: Yeah, I'm going to jump in right away because I did training for his um, city council because um, There was an accusation of racism in a, in a, some sort of committee meeting. And they, somebody knew me and asked if I'd come do training. And the day that I came and did training, he had just been accused of some things and didn't come to the meeting. Um, And it was really interesting. Even as I introduced myself, listening to the other city council people introduce themselves, it's very clear. They all went out of their way to say, we are. Jesus first, family first, like all the, all the, not even done with us. like it was very clearly like we want you to know, you who are about to do DEI training with us, we want you to know where we stand. That was really clear up front. Um, and so I have been able to watch what's happening with Josh um, from a distance, but also kind of up close. I have a friend who lives in Linwood and she has been advocating for him for a long time, a white woman. I think the thing that strikes me as somebody who's been in Linwood and has done work with his city council, um, but also as the mom of three kids who are his age, my kids are 26, 27, 28 years old, they're black. Um, I It was really obvious to me listening to him. Number one, he gave back the money before he needed to. So before all the stuff blew up in the news, he, I think that's such a great sign. He gave the money back right away. As soon as he knew that you know, maybe this money wasn't used appropriately, he paid it back. And I just want to lift that up. I think that takes a lot of courage and a lot of integrity. Um, The whole shirtless thing, I remember when that happened, because the day it happened, my friend from Linwood messaged me and I said, Oh, gosh, that may be a generational thing. But that's just really poor, poor especially when you're in a leadership role. And I would argue that President Trump did some really awful stuff that And he doesn't get held to the same standard that Josh does. And so um, I think about Marjorie Taylor Greene flashing pictures of of Joe Biden's son naked in front of Congress last week. And she doesn't get held to the same standard. So, even though for me, like if my children had shirtless photos of themselves, I would say, especially in leadership roles, don't do that, pull it down. I also wanna offer that white people don't have the same. It's not the same standard for them. And that's why when I mentor young black people, I say we gotta have, the standard is higher for us and it's unfortunate, it's unfair, but it just is. It is what it is.
1: Yeah, yeah Joy, I hear you. Uh, what were you thinking too? I was thinking the same thing.
0: I'm a mom too. Um, and I would have immediately said, you gotta take that down. That's not appropriate. You gotta take that down. And it's a learning, it's a moment of, of learning for him. Um, but we all know as Black women, we have to come with receipts, we have to be 500 times better than anyone else around us. Um, and you you said it, Cindy, when you were talking to him, we were, and I don't know if Aaron experienced this, but as former candidates, I was like taken aback when, some, when the PDC sent me the email and said, you need to call us because there's a complaint against you. And it comes out of nowhere. You're not quite sure what to do because you're like, "Wait a minute! I've done everything, every step. I've got a treasurer. I've got a consultant." And sometimes I'm going to say, "Consultants don't even know all the rules that your treasurer is knows." So
1: let me it, let it me inter- out of nowhere. I want to so, interject something because I do want to hear from Michelle too. But I want to emphasize something before we go to the PDC. Um, what I want to emphasize is that the lack of training and lack of mentorship is evident at all levels. Yes. yes. And so when you look at, you know, like reading the report, you know, when, uh, representative Melanie Morgan was targeted, right. Like yes. reading, like, nope, there's no training, uh, for anybody to understand and, and generationally they are, it's different. And I, you know, I, I laughed with him before the show because his definition of old were 50 and 60 year olds. You know, that would be me, that would be me, but it's just, you know, a view view of the world. Right. And I didn't think I was still young until I hit 50. (laughs) I was like, I'm, I refuse, but it, there are um, generational things. There is a lack of any level of onboarding and sophistication or anything that is taught to you don't come from, you know, school. Let me speak, you know, Representative Morgan come from here to representing a district in the state house. She if you're not been in leadership positions, how do you right. know certain things? Michelle, go ahead. Do I do not you do I, not know it. Go ahead, Michelle. And I've never run for office. So
4: <laughs> let me just put that. Let me put that imprimatur on this on my comment. um what I think is important is having followed this to some degree is coming from a grandmother mother perspective is just to hear a little humility like okay you're you're you moved into you stepped into a leadership position, and you're Going to mentor minors. And no matter what, these are minors that are, as you admitted, are looking up to you. So let's, what would you want to see? Be the person you want to see. And that's, and I, and he, the comments that I, I followed the comments that he made afterwards, and they were all about how other people are sexualizing things well. i saw the instagram it's a little sexy it's a little spicy and so what i would say is you have to be able to look at things through other people's eyes you can mm-hmm. say other people may have seen it that way but you have to also be the person as a servant as a public servant that says okay this is how people saw it sorry people saw it that way let me take ownership for that And walk a little differently, since these are the people. These are the people that I'm serving, right? And these are their minor children that they're bear cubbing. Okay, that these are their bear cubs, and they're minors. And so you have to be respectful of that as well. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, having said it enough, school district uh, board meetings.
1: I find watching
4: the bears.
1: I find that topic of Gen Z to be so interesting because there's so many ways you could talk about that. It's so different. I mean, I dealing with it in my own family, my extended family of what I would call a mindset that just blows my mind. But again, there's all these generational things that are different. And so, you know, Yes, you know, can we change a whole generation? And or to Aaron's point, that's not the standards that you know white candidates are. I mean, that's right, right? That no, but but let but let's use that. Let's move it out. He's he's
4: now talking to a school and and a group of kids. He's now moved them off to the side. They're they're asking him a question. I want to talk to you about how I handle this. And somebody says he touched me on my back. And there's that Instagram picture. See, that's what you have to move forward to. You have to look forward to that. But that's you what know I'm
3: saying. That's absolutely where mentoring comes in though. And yeah. he has nobody mentoring him to walk him through that. Then, I mean this is the kind of stuff so my husband literally before I left the house today the reason I'm in my car is because I got it I gotta check up and I had to get out I'm like I gotta get out I gotta be on TV got to be near Starbucks so I can get Wi-Fi but my <laughs> husband is a head football coach and there's a, a former assistant coach that um, now coaches at our rival school and he is posting some stuff on Twitter and then my son my son who also coaches with my husband learned that this guy has been texting kids so you don't you don't text kids in high school. Like even boy to man to boy, you don't text. They have a whole exactly. like it's called Remind, and it's a special text system that now school districts can can track all of the messages that go. This, guy, this. This guy is is actually texting with his actual cell phone, and my husband said, "Man, he needs to know better." But this guy is not a school person. He's a coach, but he's not a school person. He doesn't really understand exactly the dynamics and why it's so important that we have our mind and not text messaging. And so I said to my husband, this is a young man 29 years old. Somebody needs to sit him down and help him understand because he's gonna get himself in trouble. Because all it takes to your point, Michelle, is one young man saying, wait, he touched me on the back or he took me home. And right, that's all it takes. But if no one has sat this guy down, the things that for us are so common sense. Are not actually right. common sense to everybody. Yeah. And
1: and to, to, to add insult to injury, with what you said, Aaron, with how they all introduced themselves to you before to make their point to you. He's walked into white supremacist culture. That's that, right. That is how they are. That's and, right. And they hold black, they don't want they don't want the proper, the proper black people in their system, let alone the progressive black people system, right. They want to, and their standard, you know, the double standards that city council president, you know, they create infrastructures to pay themselves to make sure that they're the only people that see money. But as soon as a, I mean, he's a, he's a kid, he would, might not like me calling him that, but he's a kid. And so um, without proper ecosystems of support to mentor and and develop young people in these Entering into arguably one of the most gross supremacist systems exists is politics.
0: Right, right,
1: and it happens at the at the Olympic in
0: Olympia as well. I mean, we have brand new black legislators coming in, and then what happens? Two of them are like, "We're out, mm-hmm. freshman year. I am done." So you have the Jesse Johnson tap out. You have Kristen Tally Harris tap out. Even Mona Dawes tap out and I'm like whoa what is happening we are supposed to be encouraging folks to run for office and I love how you've connected all this um Cindy with all the you know starting with Dr Johnson um Tracy flood um you know now Josh Benda you have equity this.
1: the pay equity issues the pay equity issues These it's, are all, it's all
0: connected yeah it's all in the same intersectionality of and what is happening to Black folks, particularly Black women, but now we see, you know, someone, a young up-and-coming person like Josh Benda being subjected to that same kind of culture.
1: And in the pay equity issue, almost identical to the Linwood City Council, because in Redmond, that mayor, white woman mayor, is advocating to raise her salary from, like, significantly. So she can get paid, but nobody else can. And so that issue is supposed to be a part-time job. Isn't it? I don't know. She's a full-time mayor, but oh, okay. the point is more that they only see themselves as deserving of money Mm -hmm. and pay and access and power. And the rest of us can just serve them. I mean, that's just the mentality. And so Michelle, did you have more you wanted to? I I tend to seem like I know your facial expressions now. So (laughs) I want to see what else is on your heart. A a, a lot. (laughs) You
4: know, I think back to, because it doesn't just hold true for politics. Mm -hmm. It's also for business. Mm -hmm. That's right. And, you know, but at the time that I came up, and we have to think about where we are. We are in a place, we're, we're not in a Mecca city. And I always remind people of that. We're not in a Mecca city. We're not in Atlanta, Dallas, LA, BC. Boston. Boston, exactly. We're not in that type of city. So this is our culture. This is what our culture is going going to be. And so I remind people that racism, white supremacy has always existed here. It has always existed here it's just covert. Oh, it's not definitely. spoken. It's not, And so what I was told early on by one of my mentors, a gay man who was not out, he said, I can walk in a room and be whoever I want to be. I can walk in a room. He said, so you want to know who's advocating for you when you are not in the room because you are always going to walk in a room as a black woman mm-hmm. remember that i can choose to be a gay white man or i can choose to be a white man
1: right yeah that is a powerful point that's exactly right can mm-hmm. i share okay can i share mm-hmm.
3: something too connected to that i mm-hmm. just did a tiktok video about this um yesterday and talked about um, how, yeah, racism here is super subtle, because I've lived in Philly, I've lived, anyway, I've lived in some other places and visited the Meccas. And and I think the challenge that I'm living through right now, and I just did an interview with a PhD candidate, a Black woman who's doing her PhD on women and leadership and education, Black women and leadership and education. And one of the conversations we had is, there's this odd navigation of, we know what people expect us to be, and what people expect a professional black woman to look like. And so there's a part of me that knows there's a certain way that I need to talk and be in spaces with, um, whether it's political people or school district people. And there's a way that I want to intentionally push back on what is, so part of like why I wear my hair this way, and why I have nails like this, and I got my big jewelry on and my glasses. Part of that is my like physical way to push back every day on systems that say you got to come this way right and so how do we when I think about this conversation Josh today and I think about this young woman I just did the interview with like how do we push back against this racism and white supremacy and and these these narratives about what professional is and what's acceptable Mm -hmm. how do we like what's the right it's this constant navigating and 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 trying to figure out what is what is okay like because i don't want to just make myself small and um conform and there's a certain place that i give away too much that people won't hear me either right and so it's this it's this
0: constant navigating push pull push pull push pull Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. i think i i did that the first year i ran in 2018 I was like, I won't wear braids. I don't want to wear my earrings too big. I'm going to have them very subtle and I'm not going to wear red lipstick. Let me tell you, by 2020, I was like, oh, red lipstick. The world shut down. So who was supposed to see me? I was so mad.
1: I was so, like, it is. I'm coming. I'm coming it out. <laughs> you know? It and is like, a conundrum because, you know, it's it not wrong that particularly in organizations, right? In, bu- in the business world, there is etiquette and i'm not gonna lie i have had to tell this to many black women about whether we like it or not this is how we're being judged that's right, and, right this, it's no, it's no
3: different sure. cindy it's no different right, right. i'm just
1: yeah i'm just highlighting her point about yeah. it's not just politics it's not just education it's, yeah. everywhere, it's right. everywhere right how do not we not everywhere we education politics
0: corporate America, it's 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 throughout. And it's it's a shame. I think it's a shame because people come as their authentic self. And it's not about to me how you look when you walk in, but that's that's what people see when they look at us when we walk in a room. It's what they know. It's it's the information they have, it's it's the value that they bring to whatever organization that they are standing in front of.
1: And when I read, did you, I don't know if y'all read the investigative report for the NAACP, like they clearly said they did their due diligence because the investigative reports that are done on us, right, they've done their due diligence, he's targeted. And whether he, he, he you know, whether he needs mentoring or not, uh, every one of us, including me as an old woman needs mentoring. <laughs> um. My um, mentor is actually producing the show tonight, helping me through something, right? Like you got, we all need people to help Mm -hmm. us become effective. So he's not any different than that. So does that warrant him uh, to be targeted in this way, particularly when they, there was a whole, um, there was a whole issue. uh, A woman forwarded a um, uh, freedom of information request about the city council because she Was pointing out that she some rules changed right after Josh got elected and before he took office. So they started to change the rules of the game. Does that sound familiar to any of you? Yeah, we're pushing the goalposts. That's what they
4: always do. Pushing the goalposts. They always do. Yes,
1: change. Yeah, no, no.
4: It's not. It's not even moving the goalposts. It's you thought you were play. You you brought the uniform to play soccer and you showed up and now we're playing baseball. Mm-hmm. Or cricket. Cricket. You've mm-hmm. never played cricket before. Now we're playing cricket. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. And like yeah. we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. Oh, you you were born in the pumpkin patch. So no way would you know that we used to play baseball here, but mm-hmm. we signed you up to play cricket. Mm, yeah, we've exactly. always been playing cricket. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. You weren't playing cricket and we, before um, I
1: came. We all are in our fifties, right? Everybody here? 60. Ah, We're here over 50. We all have the gift (laughs) of experience behind us, right? We all have the gift of the bruises that we've incurred to learn some of the things. Why can't a young Black man be given the same opportunities to learn as well? Why? He have to be perfect the moment he walks into a seat or into an office. Why do we always want to take the, you know, what what we do wrong instead of focusing on what we do right and how to bring out the best in him? You he know why? Because they're great coming things. for us. they
4: coming well for us. Yeah. Okay. They're coming for us. I don't know if you guys got the memo <laughs> or not, but they're coming for they coming for us. Okay, and it seems let me code to be, switch on you. Yeah, it seems to be they coming for us. Throughout okay? the entire
0: United States. It's like, you know, whatever level, whatever state, whatever. Yes. Where, who, it's just yes. it's
4: everywhere. Don't care what the map looks like, nope. how many districts we have, nope. how many people voting in the district. They coming for us. Mm-hmm. It's called the Judicial Crisis Network. It's called the Heritage Foundation. You call it whatever you want. They coming for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, I personally, okay. I mean, um, Aaron, were you about to say this? And I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but we just need to help him, right? Like that's yes. what yes. our wisdom and our age allows us to do is to take him under our wings too and help make sure he's successful. And so um, uh, you know, I, he has my commitment to help however I can to you know, be a mentor or a way to, you know, take phone calls and just try to help. We have to approach our young Black people, our young Black, you know, children. Um, we have to help them because the grotesqueness of what we in our late, later years in life have all, we have bumps and bruises. Aaron, Joy, and I all dealt with the running for office and the nastiness. Beyond now, na- I don't know whose story was nastier. I think Aaron's is probably. I think nasty. your Aaron is the winner. Aaron's the winner there. I'm second, and then your last joy when it comes. Yeah, to I don't know uh, why and, I got to be last, but and, I'm and okay. He,
4: what conversation did we have? What conversation did we have earlier? i said, She can't because she came for him too hard. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not naming any names, but she came for him too hard, and I don't care. He's one of us
0: hmm.
4: Whatever the story is, he's one of us. You can't come for one of us. Mm-hmm. You can't. That's right. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of our. So one of the things
3: I also told this Ph.D. student today is I see the same thing happen with um, women in superintendent roles. Black women who get into. Yes. roles. If you've seen. I mean, there have only been two or three in our state, but they mm-hmm. most of them go down. Um, they don't last. They don't last or they change significantly into people that you don't recognize. And part of it, I was just telling her today, part of it is that we don't have support. And it's too Mm -hmm. hard to remain your true self when you're on your own, when you feel Mm -hmm. isolated. So, What I would say to Josh, if you're still watching, but I would say to any other Black woman in executive role, and I told this to my student today that I did the interview with, if I look back at my time at OSPI as an assistant superintendent and then as an administrator for two large school districts, the mistake that I made that I would go back and change is I would have a crew. I did not mm-hmm. have a
0: crew.
3: did not. I had a crew. We cannot crew. be an
0: island of one. We yes, cannot be an I, island of one.
3: When I ran for office, I had a crew and that's what allowed me to get through it. But mm-hmm. I did not. When I was the assistant state superintendent, it was on my own. And part of it was, part of it was, that the black women in education power in Seattle thought I was a sellout. They didn't know who I was. Cause I'd worked mm-hmm. in Tacoma, they didn't know who I was. So I was this lady with long straight hair, light skin, working for Randy Dorn. Dorn. I was the Dorn. only that's person in had her own cabinet. And so they told the story about me without knowing who I was. In my second year at OSPI, when they got to be around me, they were like, oh, she really does care about our kids. Then they became my crew, but that first year, the Black folks were the worst people to me
0: because Mm -hmm.
3: they didn't know who I was and they told their own story about who I was.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. And so I didn't have a crew later on, right? We all have been through this. We all have been through this. what I told my students today is if I could go back and change anything, I would never show up in a leadership role at any point now without having a crew. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. That's a very Mm -hmm. powerful point, Erin. Very, very powerful. And I do want to echo... I want to echo that because I too had huge support from the 48th district, right? They endorsed me. They, these were all white people who saw through what Josh is dealing with, right? And the yeah. and the resistance to um to how dare she um she to Cindy how, how come she's not waiting her turn? Why doesn't she go, you know, she's not qualified to do this? Right. Um, right. And yet I can hold up the same chart that was held up to uh, Supreme Court Justice Ketanji Brown, all these qualifications, but um, it doesn't matter because they, the, what Michelle's point was about, um, I was coming to play basketball and they changed the game to soccer while I was running in order to facilitate helping somebody else That's to right. get in. That's you right. know, in our, in our last couple of minutes, what words of wisdom do we want to leave um, our community about what we do next to to support him, you know, he- help him. Like he he's definitely going to get outraised in money. So I think he gave us a website. elect Josh Binda, so he's going to need some money to hold on to his campaign. Um, Aaron, did I am I putting you on the spot to ask you? Did you say that you would reach out to him and um, maybe try to offer some words of coaching to him, or should or should we do something collectively as women who? see one of our young brothers trying to help i
3: mean i i think what we offer and i don't have a lot of capacity for other stuff because i'm mentoring like way too many people right now but what (laughs) i what i would offer though is i mean we're the moms on here and Mm -hmm. i would offer him like i would pick a time for us to get on a zoom call and just offer and if he chooses to take it then he chooses to take it okay right i mean Because I I am of the mind, I don't ever want to care more about something than someone else cares about it. Yeah. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I would offer that my time is really valuable. And um, so I think it's worth reaching out to him and finding a time when we can give him an hour as as a crew of moms. And maybe there are some other men and women who'd be willing to join us for that hour. And I think even we invite other young candidates and Mm -hmm. people in office. So- it's not just because here's the deal. It's not just Josh that needs the support. Oh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. other people, right? And so
0: there's I the Jamaica Scots a- of the world in Tacoma who's exactly. just being, yeah, they're trying to bully mm-hmm. her. It's and like, mm-hmm. oh, you yes. And who's running for mayor mm-hmm. right now in Olympia? Um, There's a couple of young folks running out in Puyallup. We know it's mm-hmm. very racist out there. So, yeah. It's, so, it's I very, think yeah. Yeah. this is good.
3: I think you should host something. Actually, I think you should host something, and we just do an hour long,
4: like yeah, just
3: go into some black folks.
4: Okay, I got a
0: hashtag
4: for it. Okay, they coming for us.
1: (laughs) They coming for us. us. All right, this is a good. This was a quick. I knew this would be, but um, look, (laughs) the three of you, you guys are my sisters out here. All we're all doing our piece parts in the world here, trying to make the world a better place. So thank you uh, for joining today.
4: Yes, they got the right ones and the wrong ones. That's all I got to
1: say. (laughs) Have a good week, you guys. And to our listeners who joined us tonight, our audience, and to Josh for joining us this evening, thank you for coming on this evening with us and talking about this. This is how we continue to build Uh, political power. This is how we continue to build each other up. This is how we continue to support and make sure because we know hashtag they coming for us. So have a good week, everybody. We'll see you
2: next week.